test, test. Good morning. Welcome to Belleville First Church in the Nazarene. Uh, please stand and worship with us this morning. In my wrestling and in my doubts, in my failures, you won't walk out. Your great love will lead me through. You are the peace.
I'm doing the announcements this morning for y'all. Rick is out today. Um, the first announcement that I have is a really, really, really big announcement. Um, it is Dwight Jackson's 70th birthday. <laughs> so let's all join in and give him a big happy birthday. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear Dwight. Happy birthday to you. Great job, Dwight. All right, our remaining announcements is this Tuesday night, we have online Bible study at 6.30 in prayer. Um, my second announcement is that the Mosaic Baby Bottle campaign is still going. The bottles are due... February 14th, um, Sunday. If you're not familiar with Mosaic, they are a pregnancy and health center in Granite City. Um, they support pregnancy testing, ultrasounds, parenting classes, STI testing. It's a really great way to put your money where your mouth is um, financially, not just to say that we're pro-life, but we're also pro-women, pro their children, and supporting them through some really difficult choices and things. Um, if you can't give financially. Just take the time the next couple of weeks to really pray for these women. Um, it, I can't imagine being maybe half my age, um, having to make those choices and decisions and having to support a child. So just take the time to really either give or pray um, for these women and their children. Um, lastly, many people have asked how they can help with Pastor Nicole coming and moving. She does have a moving company bringing her family up this Tuesday, so they don't need help um, unboxing or anything like that. Um, but if you would like to arrange a visit or a phone call, we will be sending out an email that you can directly contact Pastor Nicole and arrange a time for that. Um, lastly, if you've been paying attention to our Facebook page, we've been putting up prayers every day. Um, just ways to pray for Pastor Nicole and her family. Um, I know the very first day she asked that we pray specifically for her daughter Nora and son um, Jonah as they're transitioning to a new school. So that has to be really difficult. Um, the other thing on the very first day was she asked, let's pray about the community he has called us to be and what that means for the community here. So just keep that in mind. Go back through the days of the prayers and just look through if you haven't already. Um, we're really, really excited for her to come. And just please be in prayer. This is difficult, but also really, really exciting. Um, so with that, I'm going to ask Larry to come. And we would like to just thank Dwight for all the service and time he's invested in this church in our transition. Good morning, everyone. Everybody in streaming land, the lights are bright up here. Pastor Dwight, you probably have some clue what this is about. I think Denise already said, here is a one-of-a-kind gift for you and a card. As I was preparing what to say, I spent some considerable research, time researching, and I found out that uh, Brenda, anybody know where she was born? Some do, probably. <laughs> you do. She does. She was born in Belleville. But not Illinois, Ontario. So that was, 
that was an interesting thing that I learned. At first, I was going to write a poem, and it might, I thought it would feature uh, extended family quarrels and strife in mid-20th century Arkansas. But I decided against that, and uh, decided in, in favor of something different that actually uh, is more relevant and more meaningful. And I, we're supposed to be seeing something on the screen now, anytime soon now, I think. There. Uh, this isn't exactly the image I was hoping for, but this is, do you know what this sport is? Rugby. rugby. Do we have any rugby fans or experts? We have some who know a lot more than I do about the sport, but I did a little research because when, when I think you took over as interim, Dwight, you could have uh, pursued kind of a status quo approach, but I didn't see that at all in you. Um, it was more of a, a rugby scrum. This is not a picture of a scrum. You guys know what scrums are? Some of you do. It's, you know, where they're uh, almost horizontal with the ground, pushing against the other, the other team. And uh, in that picture that I was thinking about, there, you know, there's an official, that's not you, I didn't see you there. There are spectators and the fans, that's not you or Brenda, absolutely not. Um, there's maybe some guys taking a breather, that's not you either. But it's the guy who's in the middle of it, focused on pushing the other team back. Moving forward is what I got out of that. Okay, that's you, in my opinion. And, and some examples of what's happened in the last six months, it's been, right, virtually six months, starting in August, uh, would be um, the uh, outdoor services was one thing. I don't know that you were the sole instigator of that, but you were at least really seriously involved. Um, we had the prayer vigils more than once. You took the risk there trying to move us forward. Uh, trying to interest people or engage people in prayer. You have the idea to not just let things go as they are going to go, but also but to uh, maintain connections through that, that uh, kind of coordinated contact system. And then also every time you get up, every week and challenge us. And I know sometimes there's probably a twinkle in your eye when you think this is going to get them out of their comfort zone. Uh, one more way that you're trying to move us forward. And I appreciate that very much. On behalf of the congregation and the board, Dwight, here's a, a gift, one of a kind. Uh, right, Ralph? No. Not one of a kind? <laughs> <laughs> it's re it, it is related to golf, right? It's related to golf. Okay. So, very good. Should I open it here? I'll bump. You can if you like. Uh, and that's about all I had to say, Dwight. Appreciate you very much. And Brenda. Thank you. Okay. And, and cover up my tie. Thank you. This is, uh, and how'd you know gray's my color? Um, we appreciate your allowing us to serve you in this way for these months. It was, it's an unexpected joy. Um, I hadn't pastored for 25 years, um, hadn't anticipated on that, but it has, has been my challenge and pleasure um, 
to be here and to extend this service. Um, we have a God who surprises us. If you haven't been surprised, you haven't been paying attention. And he has more surprises in store for us, individually and as a congregation. So I'll wear my shirt. It won't be the only thing that makes me think of you. Um, but you have expressed continuously, even, even before this, of your appreciation for me. Um, I was asked if I could be called old now that I'm 70. I'm not 70? Oh, no. Well, <laughs> but it, I decided I could be called old when I was old enough to have children to have grandchildren. Nothing ever quite affected me like having great-grandchildren. I enjoy them. But in terms of saying, huh, and there's no trick in getting to be 70. You just have to wake up every morning. You know, there's nothing special on my part. So thank you again, and I'm glad the Lord has brought us into this place for this time. Let's pray together. Lord, you have brought us here, and you speak to us. We are your children. You allow us to care for each other. And I thank you for the care this congregation has given Brenda and I. And for the opportunities that they've offered us. We are grateful, Lord, that you are bringing us tomorrow. Now, we're assuming tomorrow because we only have assurance of today. But let us in this day prepare for that tomorrow, should you choose not to come. Guide us in worship. May our worship bring us ever so close to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, our reading this morning is from Ezekiel. If you care to follow along, it's Ezekiel 34. And I'm going to read verses 11 through 16. For thus says the Lord God, I myself will search for my sheep and will seek them out as shepherds seek out their flocks when they are among their scattered sheep. So I will seek out my sheep. I, I usually don't do this, but the scattered sheep, you don't, may not have the background. The shepherds would come to the watering place at the same time. And they would begin watering their flocks, and their flocks would intermingle. And then when the watering was finished, and they would, it'd be time for them to leave the the shepherd will call out, and the sheep know his voice. 
Jesus reference. And the sheep know his voice, and they follow. And they separate back into their original flocks. I will seek out my sheep. I will <clears throat> rescue them from all the places to which they have been scattered on a day of clouds and thick darkness. I will bring them out from the peoples and gather them from the countries and will bring them into their own land. And I will feed them on the mountains of Israel by the watercourses and all the inhabited parts of the land. I will feed them with good pasture. And the mountain heights of Israel shall be their pasture. There they shall lie down in good grazing land. And they shall feed on rich pasture on the mountains of Israel. I myself will be the shepherd of my sheep. And I will make them lie down, says the Lord God. I will seek the lost. I will bring back the strayed. And I will bind up the injured. And I will strengthen the weak, but the fat and the strong I will destroy. I will feed them with justice. May God bless his word to our hearing and to our acting. Please stand and continue worshiping with us this morning.
What's on your heart this morning? What are the things that you're concerned about? They're the normal categories and maybe even some people that we've been praying for for some time. As we go into prayer, I want to remind you that we are not to become impatient, discouraged, or distracted. that the Father waits for us. And in love is preparing responses to us. So would you bring your prayers to him this morning? Lord, we may just be a little tired of this pandemic. We were a little tired of new routines that aren't the ones that we were comfortable in. We're tired of having to make choices that put safety over convenience. We're tired of masks. And even those people we didn't want to get six in, within six feet of before, we're tired of having to stay six feet away from them. Give us endurance. Give us love. Give us hope. Because the end isn't in sight, Lord. And it's going to be months before it is. So we pray for people we can't go and visit in their illness. We wonder about people we haven't seen for a while and hope it is just the virus that's keeping them away or out of contact. These are some of our concerns. We lift them to you. We bring them to you. And we thank you that you continue to give us opportunities to be your children in the midst of many circumstances. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Please stand and continue worshiping with us.
to close in Philippians as well as this opportunity for service to you in the way that we have but the truth be known we look forward to many more years of service together with you Philippians is an important book and I hope this last month has enabled you to see a role for it in your life because you need to visit it over and over again. Every time you do, your life situations will be different 
and those different life situations will cause you to gain new insight and understanding and prepare you for better service. So this morning as we go to the fourth chapter of Philippians, we're going to read verses 4 to 9. But in the reading of this text, pay attention to three phases, phrases. Rejoice in the Lord. The Lord is near. Think about these things. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say, rejoice. Let your gentleness be known to everyone. The Lord is near. Do not worry about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard you in your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, beloved, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is pleasing, <clears throat> whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence and if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Keep on doing the things that you have learned and received and heard and seen in me. And the God of peace will be with you. We need language. It's one of the distinctive characteristics God has given us as human beings. Language. But for language to work for us, it requires shared understandings. Larry came up to me this morning and asked me, in some language, which I wasn't paying attention when he started, so I'm assuming it was Spanish. Is that correct? Yeah. If it was my birthday. And not knowing, I told him, not today. In Swahili. <laughs> he didn't understand me, and I didn't understand him. But it the intent was good, thank you. But we need more than that, don't we? We need common understanding. And if words are to communicate their full meaning, we need that. And particularly those of us who have a high respect for Scripture need to recognize a fault we have. And that is as we just kind of gloss over words that we think we know, but we're not certain. I can tell you the difference between a pin oak and a red oak. My grandpa taught me that. But when I would try to describe for you the difference between joy and happiness, your eyes would probably glass over 
And if I start adding in satisfaction and comparing, how do we distinguish and dissect between those things? It's almost impossible for us to detail. So the safest thing for me to do today is to tell you how I intend to define this word. And you can disagree with me if you want, but here's my definition. Because joy is associated with worship in the Bible, and particularly the meal that occurs after the giving of a sacrifice. I want to suggest to you that joy is a condition. That is the result of righteousness. And that righteousness is obtained by being correctly related to God. It is deeper than an emotion. It is deeper than a momentary response. It is more enduring. Joy covers a range of experiences. <clears throat> we are told that humans are to have joy, to jump for joy, to create joy, to celebrate. Rejoice is all of that. Rejoice is finding joy, seeing joy, recognizing joy, building joy. Paul claims this phrase distinctly in Philippians. He uses it both to support and to admonish the church. Do you recall verse 28 in chapter 1 when he tells them not to be intimidated by their opponents? You see, the pastor in Paul is is working on countering issues of doubt and fear within this congregation. They lived in a hostile world. And the people of God still live in a hostile world. And if we aren't on our guard, we can ex sometimes experience that hostility from each other when the world creeps in and contaminates our fellowship. We saw that in the early chapters when Paul was addressing the quarrels and the bickerings of the Philippians. Now in this chapter, verses that I skipped, verses 2 and 3, Paul directly gets involved in the conflict between two specific women. <clears throat> but these aren't ordinary women. These are women who have stood steadfastly by his side in other times, working on behalf of the gospel. And he's concerned enough to mention them by name in this letter. Why can we rejoice? Because we possess new life. How do we know that we're God's new creation? Paul has listed them in this letter. If you've paid attention, if you haven't, go back and look at it again. Paul lists how we know that we have new life. We possess the gift of God's righteousness. We no longer have to rely upon our own righteousness. God has imparted to us his very own righteousness. This is because of the sacrificial death of Jesus Christ and his resurrection and by the enabling of the Holy Spirit to disseminate that righteousness to us. 
we experience the power of his resurrection, Paul says. That power enables us to be recreated in the image of Jesus Christ. It also enables the fellowship of Jesus' followers around the globe to be transformed into the body of Christ. Paul says we can practice new identity because we are this new creation and we have citizenship in a heavenly kingdom. This citizenship is different from any other citizenship that we might possess. And this citizenship has been made available to us by the power of the resurrection. And the citizenship alters the way we relate within the fellowship of the church and how we engage those who are yet to be a part of the fellowship of the church. In verse 5, it talks about let your gentleness, gentleness be made known. A better translation of that word is graciousness. The church, Christians, should live a, a life of grace. Our second phase, the Lord is near. There is no concept in Christian theology that has been more misunderstood and more misapplied than this idea that the Lord is near. At various times in our history as a church, we have forsaken all other facets of the teaching of Jesus to be obsessed with an event that Jesus said even he could not predict. In my youth, I was in a church in which I was taught to read all kinds of timetables, to see all kinds of meanings behind all kinds of obscure things that would be fulfilled in the 1970s. Did me a lot of good, didn't it? You see, the thing we need to know about Jesus coming is that it's imminent. It's been imminent since the ascension. There is nothing left to be fulfilled. Jesus said he will come when the Father says it's time for him to come. That should give us an urgency. Because that means today is the only day we are assured of to practice our discipleship. There's no promise of tomorrow. The Lord may come. Or we may go to see him. This is the only day. But there's another thing to this. The Lord is near. We've just witnessed it in Advent. In Advent, during that season, we talked about the many ways the Lord comes to us. The many ways the, the Spirit can pull back the curtain and, and reveal the peace created by God and His <coughs> among His people and the opportunities and the crisis. Whatever they are, God can be there. We saw that in Advent. And now as a body... We are making prayers and supplications to the Lord on behalf of his visiting us again. 
It's one of the promises of a new pastor. Nicole Cotton has affirmed that she was led by God to accept the call we issued. And we issued that call on the belief that that was what God wanted us to do. That settles it. She's going to bring a fresh set of eyes. She has different life lived experiences. The Spirit has opened her eyes in ways unique to her, to the hidden jewels found in Scripture. And listen to this, because this hits me. In a culture in which men and women are socialized to be distinct and very different, I look forward to the freshness of the gospel and congregational living this old man could experience under her ministry. Did you hear that the peace of God is beyond understanding? I've tried to preach on it. I've tried to teach on it. And every time I do, I feel like a failure. I never can quite it just can't quite get a hold of it. can't grasp it. It's beyond our understanding. It's because it's not humanly created. And for those of us who experienced it, we just know that it is. And we know it's power to guard us. Hear me. The peace has the power to guard us when we experience the unthinkable. Now, is a moment of joy when we must celebrate this peace. Our third phrase. Think about these things. <clears throat> now, every once in a while, you know, I paid enough for my seminary education, and I had to pay, well, Brenda chipped in some, but um, I had, nobody else paid our way. Um, so every once in a while, we just got, I got to trot out something that I learned so that I feel good about it. Whether it helps you or not, just know that it helps me. The Greek word here is logisthe. Logisthe means, aha. Uh -huh. And it's translated here, think about. A better translation, if we're only going to use one word, may be consider or calculate. In sociology, when I'm teaching students, I talk about it as reflexive thinking, which is the kind of thinking that occurs when you and I are looking at something, learning about something, so we can change ourselves, so we can apply it to ourselves, not just to have some abstract possession of knowledge, but knowledge that matters in how we live. That's what this word means. Paul says, Think about this stuff because it's important for the way you're going to live. Now, what's the list? It's daunting. Whatsoever is true, whatsoever is honorable, <coughs> whatsoever is just, pure, pleasing, commendable, 
And then he goes back to the phrase he started chapter 2 with when he talked about if there's any virtue in, in Jesus. He says, if there is anything that we can achieve that is of, of excellence or worthy of praise, these are things you need to calculate on for how you're going to live them. How are you going to calculate a life of truth, honorableness, justice, purity, pleasing, and commendable? How are you going to plan for it? For this calculation to be effective in this time of cultural change, and congregational change. Each of us needs to hear from the other. You see, this congregation needs a plan of discipleship and a practice of discipleship that reflects the wisdom Paul has given us in this letter. No one of us, no single person can implement this wisdom on their own. But we, as a congregation, collectively, together, can do so. We can implement it. We can follow the advice that Paul has given us. Now, yes, a little bit more. And basically, he's saying for us to think about who are the models of Christian living that have impacted our discipleship. Because... I'll continue reading before I left off. I rejoice in the Lord greatly that now at last you have revived your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned for me, but had no opportunity to show it. Not that I am referring to being in need, for I have learned to be content with whatever I have. I know what it is to have little, and I know what it is to have plenty. In any and all circumstances, I have learned the secret of being well-fed and of going hungry, of having plenty and of being in need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. In any case, it was kind of you to share in my distress. What's Paul saying? He's giving testimony to the fact that joy is not situational. Paul could rejoice because the peace of God guarded his spirit and his mind. Did you hear when Paul said that for us? The Spirit of God guards our soul and our mind. Brendan, I've learned this same piece. I came to the Lord as a six-year-old and was called to the ministry at 11 in a dream that only an 11-year-old could have. 
I was in heaven and people were being sent to hell through a trap door. And I got too close and I fell through. Now, why nobody else did what I did, I, it was my dream, so what can I say? I grabbed a hold of the girders. Heaven was built on girders. It wasn't just floating around, it was on girders. And I climbed back through. And God looked at me and I said, what, what have these people done? He said, they don't, this doesn't have to happen to them. Why don't you do something about it? That was it. So, dismiss it as an 11-year-old, whatever. It has shaped the direction of my life. I went to college as the, first, the second high school graduate and the first college entrant in my family. Mom and I didn't even know enough to play, to make plans, and I didn't even start thinking about college until about a month after high school graduation. And even in my era, that was too late. And through Brenda, my one idea of how to serve the Lord was only a pastor, because that was my model. But she had been called to missions. And together we were called to Africa in 78. And for me, it has led to a conflicting duality in my life. Because I have this interest to pursue ideas. I like language. I like to pursue ideas, but I, I can't live the academic life. I'm a practitioner. So we've spent most of our ministry in East Africa. And along the way, the Lord has taught us that no matter what the conditions, He guards our soul with His peace. It had... This poor woman suffered through three, almost three years with no water or electricity. And I don't think it's just the number of years that has caused me not to be able to remember that. She didn't complain. She adapted. And so I stand before you. I hadn't planned on this being this, because when I planned this, it was before I knew that that um, we were issuing a call to Nicole, and I expected this sermon to be next week after my birthday. So I didn't expect to be coming to this part of what I'm saying on this day in which I have to look things square in the face. And tell you that our God is good. And that our God will continue to provide opportunities of service if we just pay attention. And we live right. If we live right with each other and if we live right with him. Did you notice that when I said that Paul was talking about those of us who are in the fellowship and those who are yet to be in the fellowship? There is a very distinct way to change the way we need to look at the world around us. It's hostile. But there are people in that hostile place that need to come in to a place of peace.
And God has called us to be partners in creating such a place. And he's led us to a new pastor to initiate a new opportunity for us to learn how to be people of peace. So what's next? I don't know. Except to tell you there are no worries because God's guarding my future and yours. What more can we ask for? The question is, with such a gracious gift, what will we do? Let's pray. Lord, you have allowed us to do this study in Philippians at a time in which we need to think about transitions, in a time in which we need to think about peace, courage, purpose, truth, honesty, things that are excellent. We have it within us because of your spirit to be a congregation of excellence. But it will require a discipleship that is excellent. A following of you that exceeds anything we have ever experienced. A commitment to you that makes any other commitment look frayed by comparison. Free us, Lord. Free our minds to imagine such an experience in you. And then free us from the things that would keep us from going out and claiming it. We commit this to you in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Let's sing. Would you stand and sing with us? Father's love for us, how vast beyond all measure, that he should give his only son to make a wretch his treasure. How great the pain of sin and loss, the Father turns his face away as wounds which mar the chosen.
wisdom, but I will boast in Jesus Christ, His death and resurrection. Why should I gain from His reward? I cannot give an answer, but this I know with all my heart, His wounds have paid my ransom. Why should I gain from His reward? I cannot give an answer, but this I know with all my heart. His wounds have paid my ransom, but this I know with all my heart. His wounds have paid my ransom. Let us be dismissed with the words of Paul at the end of Romans. Now, to God who is able to strengthen you, according to my gospel and the proclamation of Jesus Christ, according to the revelation of the mystery that was kept secret for long ages, but is now disclosed, and through the prophetic writings is made known to all the Gentiles, according to the command of the eternal God, to bring about the obedience of faith to the only wise God, through Jesus Christ, to whom be the glory forever. Amen. You are dismissed to service.